I can tell you that if you're thinking about getting into real estate investing, you should not be afraid of screwing it up because uh, I definitely screwed it up badly the first time that I bought real estate. And I was in business school, but I mean, they don't, you don't really learn that stuff in business school, you know? So creating your own deals is a way to keep some deal flow and keep your money, keep your money moving in, in real estate at this point in time. Welcome to the REI NWA podcast. This is podcast number 18. And uh, I'm your host, Coley Bailey, uh, broker and team leader at the Lone Rock team at Fathom Realty. And today we have with us Tyler Casey once again. He was one of our first uh, podcast guests and he's doing another program uh, for us at REI NWA. And so we're having him on again. I'm excited to have you on again, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, and if people haven't seen the other podcast, uh, it was one of the first podcasts we did. And I'd like to think our podcasts have improved a little bit since then. Uh, but the content of that podcast was phenomenal. Um, we got into your story, um, how you grew ProX property management uh, from humble beginnings all the way up to, you know, a staff of 30 and 14 agents and doing $40 million a year in, in sales and managing, I don't even remember how many, uh, and it's probably changed a little bit since then, managing, how many units are you guys managing now? Uh, it's 1,500. 1,500 across three different states, right? So Kansas, yep. Missouri, and Arkansas. Yep. Yep. And um, so phenomenal. If, if you guys haven't watched that podcast, go back and check it out. Great stuff in there. Um, but today we're going to get a little bit specific on build to rent because that's something that's pretty unique that you guys do. But before we get into all that, uh, I want to rewind the clocks a little bit and talk about the very first investment deal that you ever did. Uh, we mentioned it briefly in that last podcast, but I just I always like to get people's story uh, around the very, very start, because that's the piece that hangs up so many people who would want to get into real estate investing. And they're kind of on the fence for years before they actually get started sometimes. So let's talk about how you got started. So it was 2008, right? And you bought your first. 2008. Um, I can tell you that if you're thinking about getting into real estate investing, you should not be afraid of screwing it up because uh, I definitely screwed it up badly the first time that I bought real estate. I bought, uh, I actually used an FHA loan and I bought a three bedroom, one bath house right by Pittsburgh State University campus in Pittsburgh, Kansas, where our first location was. And the idea was I was going to live in one room and I was going to rent out the, the other two bedrooms. And I had, there was a tenant in it when I bought it, which she was month to month. And I was, my plan was to get her to move out. Uh, I paid $50,000 for the house, huge overpay back then, uh, cause it needed a lot more work than I realized when I bought it. And that tenant was the literal tenant from hell. Like I, I had never evicted anybody before. So I didn't really know how to do it. She wasn't paying, wouldn't leave, ended up costing me several thousand dollars to get her out. And then once I got in there, she just left it completely trashed and, 
uh, it took me and one of my friends and my dad helping like fixing this place up ourselves, you know, and I still probably put another $15,000 into it. It still wasn't great. Um, but I did end up moving into it and, uh, pay, and I had to put $15,000 on a 0% interest, uh, Home Depot credit card at the time. Cause I did not have the cash to, to fix it up myself. So uh, with it, with it being an FHA loan, so you had already put down, what was it? A three and a half percent down. Yeah. Down three and a half percent of 50,000, which isn't a lot obviously. Right. But you know, and I had just saved that up, like working through high school in the summers and, and after school. I, and I had good credit cause I had done something stupid in high school and I had bought a, uh, a four wheeler because all of my buddies thought it was, uh, and my mom was crazy enough to co-sign with me on a four wheeler. <laughs> And I had bought a four wheeler from the Honda dealership and all my buddies like to go, go mudding, uh, out at one of my buddies' farms. And then when I was 16 years old, I thought that was the greatest idea ever was to buy a four wheeler. So I bought a four wheeler. I ended up paying it off over a couple of years. And by the time I graduated, I had like 700 credit. Um, so it ended up being a pretty smart thing because I was able to qualify to buy a house, but didn't do such a great job of vetting that first, that first deal. I'd do it yeah. a little different if I could go back in time. But it's one of those situations where, you know, you live and learn, you know, you made it through it. And, um, you know, so when was the next deal that you bought? Uh, the very next year. Okay. I, I, uh, I actually had a banker in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Uh, I was playing on the Pitt state golf team and, uh, I knew him from the country club and he said, Hey, I heard you bought a, you bought a house and you're renting the rooms out. And I said, yeah, yeah, I did. I am. I guess my dad must've told him or something. I'm not really sure how it worked, how, how he heard that. But he said, I've got some, for, a package of foreclosure properties coming. There's 20 of them. I was wondering if you might want a, a few of those. And he said, why don't you go take a look at them? And he said, I can finance uh 95% to you because they were uh reo properties yeah and back then, to get out and back then them, the yeah. bank could really do whatever they needed to do to offload those properties from their books so um i actually the same buddy that helped me fix up the first house on fieldcrest i went to him and i said hey man i got a lead on a couple deals and you know they need a lot of work but you know, we only have to put 5% down and they'll loan us money to do the work too. So why don't we go look at them and come up with a budget and, you know, I've been bringing the deal and the financing and you bring the down payment, mm. 5%. So we did and we partnered on two of them uh, from Community National Bank in Pittsburgh. Uh, the banker was Joe Leak. We ended up buying like another package of three of them a year later because we, because those worked out good because we bought them really cheap and him and I, would go, I'd, I'd get done with school and golf practice and work. I was still, I was working part-time at the country club too. And it'd be eight o'clock at night and I'd meet Josh over at the, at one of the houses and we'd work until midnight or one in the morning, uh, fixing up those houses. And, uh, our girlfriends, which is my girlfriend there, it's my wife now, Renee would just come over and sit there and just like, you know, talk and, hand us stuff when we needed it 
you know, until all night long. Uh, and everybody was drinking beer while we were working. So it wasn't, you know, totally unfun. Uh, safest, the safest thing you could do, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, but those ended up really good. I mean, we fixed them up way cheaper than what, you know, they were worth at the end and we were able to pull money out. And in fact, on those first two houses, we pulled like 40,000 out and rolled that into, you know, the next couple deals we bought, we bought more of that same package from okay. the REO company. And uh, so you, so you added we, value in. Yeah. You, yeah. Through renovation. So that's really, where construction, that's really where the construction thing started was, Hey, this is a pretty good deal. Uh, you know, I can build a lot of value into these things if I can do the construction cheaply enough and efficiently enough. Yeah. So when did you, um, when did you bring in the contracting side into, into your business? I mean, did you, so you grew as an agent and a property manager and all that kind of stuff too. Where did the construction fit in with that? Well, it was after that second group of foreclosures I bought from Community National Bank. We started the property management business in 2009, mm -hmm. uh, late September of 2009. Again, another guy I knew from the country club said, hey, my boss is, and his boss had 40 apartments in Pittsburgh. And uh, he said, hey, I heard you're uh, managing some rental property now. And I said, well, I've got, a, you know, I've got five of my own that I, that I manage. You know? And he said, well, my boss is looking for a property manager. I, I told him he should talk to you. I gave him your number. And his boss had 40 apartments in Pittsburgh, Kansas. And I, I had no idea what I needed to do. I, you know, I went in and I talked to the guy. And when they were ready to sign contracts with me, I had to call an attorney and say, Hey, I need contracts like tomorrow. And yeah. the attorney was like, well, do you have a, a business? Do you have, you know, a operating agreement? Do you have like insurance, you know, <laughs> all, <laughs> all this stuff. I mean, I was 21 years old. I had no idea what I was supposed to do. You know? Right. Yeah. And I was in business school, but I mean, they don't, you, you don't really learn that stuff in business school, you know? Yeah. Not the technical yeah. details. Yeah of actually how to start and operate a business. Like you don't, you don't learn it. It's all theoretical crap really. Yeah. And so I had to run around that week and figure it all out and get them contracts and show them insurance and you know, uh, everything. And I got my first property management contract, 40 units in 2009. Wow. That was when ProX started. Then in 2012, another one of Josh and I's friends, Corey Burton, he was the superintendent for Crossland Construction, and we convinced him to leave Crossland Construction and come run the construction company with us. So okay. we wanted to, we wanted to bring full service construction in house, and Corey left, and you know got added to our partnership at that time. We started doing all kinds of stuff. Like we didn't have enough property management clients to really do it all, and we weren't doing enough volume, so we were taking like we actually started doing government bid and spec work, even like small light commercial stuff, stuff that Corey and Josh really knew how to do Yeah, uh, from being, you know, Josh was a Kiwit superintendent and Corey was a Crossland superintendent. Uh, we started building houses for people, even just like their primary residence. We would, we would build a house. We'd build a house and sell it, spec it, you know, um, that yep. sort of thing. And, and we even did a couple small housing developments back then. Like uh, we did a 16 unit senior housing development for, a uh, company that we managed property for out of Baxter Springs, Kansas. Uh, so we did ground up 16 unit, planned it, 
built it, you know, all, all of that. Um, and I'm assuming that one's still in, in management now. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. You still, you still have that one. Some of what I did in high school was work for like odd jobs, general contracting type stuff, like small stuff, like building decks. And, you know, I worked a little bit on my buddy's dad's farm. Like I helped friends build deer stands and stuff like that. You know, I mean, just little stupid construction stuff. But when I really learned the construction stuff was when I had those guys on my team and I was kind of the salesperson and estimator for the construction company back then. Okay. And I just had to figure it all out. Now I am, you know, I'm a licensed general contractor in every municipality that we're doing work in, you know, which I didn't, uh, I didn't start that way. It's just kind of over time evolved to where I know enough to be able to plan the job, estimate the job, execute the job, which I don't do that stuff for our business anymore. I mean, I've got people that do that now, but yeah. uh, all right, so we're going to get into uh, some of the the pros and cons of build to rent and just that as a concept here in just a minute. But first, uh, we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsor. Are you struggling with real estate code compliance? Let Ordinal, your AI navigator, simplify it for you. Receive clear answers to your nuanced compliance questions in seconds with citations included. Currently, the Ordinal Beta version specializes in the Northwest Arkansas cities of Bentonville, Fayetteville, Springdale, and Rogers. Join the Beta version now and get your first month free using the promo code REI. After that, it's just 12 bucks a month. Visit breakground.ai/ordinal or click the link in the description below. Start incorporating AI into your real estate workflows today with Ordinal. All right, so let's dig into build to rent. And uh, why is this taking off? A lot of investors are talking about this. What are some of the main benefits for investors in jumping into uh, building to rent instead of buying something that's already existing to rent? Well, uh, inventory is one good reason. You know, there's, there's less deals out there to be found to buy or renovate. Uh, so creating your own deals is a way to keep some deal flow and keep your money, keep your money moving in, in real estate at this point in time. Also, once you're done, you have extremely low, you know, maintenance costs. You're typically renting the properties for, you know, very high rents. You're getting a, a high quality tenant pool. So those would be my primary benefits. I mean, and even the way that we do it for customers, like the what it actually costs to build them versus what they are appraising for is significantly less. So you can build a spread in value right off the bat. That's another key mm-hmm. benefit. Mm-hmm. So, so does that change the financing picture, right? So is that- It can. Um, it depends what you do with the land. I mean, obviously you need to, find land and you need to get a decent deal on the land and all that stuff first. But we've actually got the construction costs dialed in enough that we've kind of been able to maybe slightly overpay for some land mm-hmm. to, to get it and then still have enough of a spread that using the land as collateral, our clients aren't having to put down you know 20% all the time to close yeah. those new construction deals. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So if there's enough of... Um 
you know, enough of a spread between build cost and, you know, what it ultimately appraises for that definitely changes how much they need to bring in right at, at the end, you know, as, as down payment. A lot of what we're doing, I mean, we've got like a, we, we do have some bigger stuff going, like we've got a 12 unit development going in uh, Ornogo. That's six duplexes on one site that we actually did all the pre-development stuff, all the engineering, architecture, everything for the, for the client. One of our agents actually just brought him the land deal. It was on the market and he, and he bought it. Um, I didn't even know he was going to buy it. And then he was like, oh, by the way, you guys had to build six duplexes on this for me. So some of what we're doing is even just like infill lots mm -hmm. in town. Most of it's in Joplin, Missouri and Pittsburgh, Kansas, just because we're bigger in those locations than we are in Northwest Arkansas right now. So we've got yeah. more, lead, more lead flow and we're finding more of those deals. And we've got more clients finding more deals. And But like on an infill duplex right now where the site is pretty good shape, and you got utility hookups already there, you know, take the land cost out of it, but you know, we're building them for around a hundred dollars a square foot for, for infill duplexes. So if you can find our two yeah. lots and we've got some plans that fit on 50 foot wide infill lots that are really nicely laid out three bed, oh, wow. two bath units that are each sides like 1200 square feet, build these duplexes for like 240 grand. Yeah. Obviously you have lot costs, but in Joplin, those have been like maybe ten to twenty thousand, depending on the location. Oh wow! And they've been appraising for again, depending on the location, between two hundred ninety and three hundred and forty thousand dollars. So, I mean, you can do the math. The bank on two hundred ninety thousand is loaning you two hundred and thirty-eight thousand dollars. So, if it costs you two forty to build, and you pay fifteen for the lot, I mean, you're only out seventeen thousand bucks to acquire that asset. Yeah. And then they're renting for $1,200 a month and they're brand new. So your, you know, your maintenance costs or CapEx are next to nothing for a while. Right. Now, does that also affect um, how you might do um, cost segregation for depreciation too? Since you actually have like what, what all the, the parts and pieces cost uh, going into it, is that easier uh, to segment? Uh, for depreciation purposes? Yeah, I mean... If you were going to accelerate, you know? You probably can't afford to pay a cost segregation analysis on a deal that small. Like it doesn't, it, I mean, it doesn't really make sense because you're going to pay three grand, four grand for that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on 200 grand, let's say you get, you know, $20,000, $30,000 of first year bonus depreciation, even at a 30% tax rate you know, you're only saving basically what you're paying for the study. So you need an accountant who will kind of do the cost segregation for you custom, you know, like with an Excel spreadsheet yeah. for a smaller deal like that, which I do. I mean, my accountants do that. Um, so I, I would do a cost seg on a deal like that. But if you really want to take advantage of the bonus depreciation, it doesn't really make sense to pay for the study. And because the cost breakdown is very evident, you know, yeah. Paying for everything, it would make that easier. Hmm. Okay, just a thought I had. <laughs> but like on that, you know, on that six duplex deal or the or the ten duplex deal, we're getting ready to start in Galena, Kansas. Like, I mean, yeah, when you're in it, two million bucks or two and a half million bucks or whatever it is, and you go pay somebody six grand to do a cost seg and it saves you a hundred and twenty thousand in taxes, it's a pretty obvious choice. And and the and hiring the the cost segregation company. Uh, does mitigate some liability for sure. 
Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a good taste of the program coming up uh, on Build to Rent. And by the way, uh, that program is going to be on February 6th. Uh, it's going to be one of our Builder Circle programs, and it is at Golden Corral in Rogers. Uh, doors open at 530. We'll start talking about it at 6. And uh, as always, it's $20 at the door. Zero if you are an REI NWA member. So uh, definitely join up to REI NWA. And other than that, we'll see you there. I'm very excited uh, about this one. I think it's going to be a good one. You're probably going to have some good questions come up at the end of it and uh, should have a good crowd out for it. Well, I hope I hope they're not tired of listening to me yet or you're not <laughs> tired of talking to me yet. No, you have you have a wealth of knowledge. I don't I don't think everybody has tapped that well uh, and run it dry. I'm sure there's there's a lot to learn there. Well, thanks for joining us again, man, and I uh, can't wait to see you then. Sounds good. See ya. All right. Thanks everybody. We'll catch you on the next one.